Can you worship him this morning? Because he's God. Because he's my God. Amen. Because I'm his child. Because I belong to him. Because he's worthy. And we're here today just to worship him. From the depths of our hearts now. Let him speak to us. God knows exactly what you have need of today. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above that which you're able to think or ask. There's a power that works within us. And it causes us to ask and to believe and to receive. So let's look to him today. How many across this audience today and there across the internet, wherever you are, you've got a need in your life. You just want to make it known before God and say, Jesus, don't pass me by. Speak to me today. Father, we're your children, and we have gathered today in your name, and we want to just worship you. We want to thank you for your goodness, Lord, and realize your grace upon us is so great. Your mercies endure forever. They're right here in these last days that you're here, the merciful God, showing mercies to all generations. And even today, Lord, that mercy is shown as we will... We will take repentant sinners and baptize them in your name. Lord, what a privilege that is for any mortal to take on the name of Jesus Christ, to be identified with you, to say you're our God. But Lord, then you to come back and confirm it with the Holy Spirit in our lives, saying you're my people. You're the one I chose to dwell in. May today, Lord, that you'll speak to hearts and lives and you'll just reveal yourself through the word, Lord. Oh, God, that you just open up the eyes of our understanding, that they would be enlightened, that you'd give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say. And let the Spirit speak expressly today. May it identify everything that is of evil and that which is of you, Lord. May it identify the workings of the Holy Spirit so that we can Rejoice in the God of our salvation. Bring healing today. Lord, you know, we've seen you move on the scene. We've seen you heal cancer. We've seen you you drive out demon powers of every kind and every description. Lord, you're still God. You're still on the throne today. And you're here to do a work for your children. Lord, to open up the eyes Oh, God, of those that are blind, where they can see the truth of the Word of God. Lord, to restore the hearing to the deaf, where they can hear what the Spirit is saying. Lord, this is, this is your work that you're doing in this last day. And I pray, oh, God, that we'll move into the realm of the Spirit. Oh, God, and as we move in there, Lord, taking another step higher. Oh, God, that you'll just send down your presence in a real and living way upon your people with baptism after baptism, wave after wave of your glory. Lord, we're expecting big things because you're a big God. And Lord, you you have a work that you're finishing here in this last day. And we're looking to you to finish it. Lord, that you that started it will complete it. Lord, we pray, oh God, for Brother Ron Spencer that you'll bring healing to him. Deliverance, we're looking to that. The many other needs across the land. 
Lord, we're rejoicing already because there are victories. Victories. You're doing marvelous works. You're reaching out to the prodigal, to those that are away from you, and you're bringing them to you. You're doing marvelous things. So we're asking, Lord, for your grace today now. Upon the word as we would read it together. And then upon the ministry, Lord, as we would step out of the way where you can speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Good to have you today in service with us, praying that God would bless you in a very, very special way. Amen. We're just happy to have each one that has gathered with us today. And um, praise the Lord for each one of you. And thank God for the grace upon our lives. Amen. And um, just uh, expecting a great day today. We have... um, just um, a full day. This is um, a special Sunday that we have set aside. And so we have, um, you know, they, our, our regular service this morning. And then um, we will have a baptismal service. And uh, I don't know how many made it for the baptism, but we had up to about seven that was going to be baptized. So we'll, we'll see as the service goes along. There may be others that God's touched their hearts. Amen. And you know, the Lord's done some mighty things. Even this week, I uh, led a prodigal back to the Lord here in the, in the office, Brother Timothy, and I met with a lady from, from um, uh, Little, Rock, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, and a Hot Springs area, uh, rather, and uh, came, came over to, for service uh, to, to meet me in the office there, and I was able to lead her back to the Lord. And, you know, it, God's doing some mighty, mighty things as we move along life's journey and see the end is coming. And I know people are sensing something within their spirit that we've got to get right with God. And I believe the angel of God is going by and waking up prodigals, bringing them back home. Amen. I believe God's running to them. Amen. I believe he is doing everything that he can in this hour to reach that last one because he's not going to leave one out. We're all going to be there. He's not going to leave one behind. So we want to worship the Lord today as we look into the word. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 10. May the Lord just speak to us as we minister here. Genesis 18 and verse 10. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, shall, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, Am I, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I have a surety bear a child which am old? Is Anything too hard for the Lord. At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Turn with me to Joel chapter 2 and verse 23. Joel chapter 2 and verse 23. Be glad then, ye children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and will cause to come down for you to the rain the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat 
and the fats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you, and you shall eat in plenty. And be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And then turn with me to, for our final scripture reading for while you're standing anyway. And, um, in Mark chapter 4 and verse 26. And I'm just going to preface this as you're turning. Jesus speaks of his kingdom, which is yet a spiritual kingdom. And he speaks of this kingdom going from seed to seed or from grain to grain. And the church would start out as a grain, a mature grain of wheat, a mature crop. And it goes through the decay in the ground. It comes up in a different form. And then the blade is as a, or the grain is as a blade. It progresses to the, finally to the ear, and then finally to what the Bible calls the full ear, or the restored grain, the church ready for the rapture harvest. So let's read from verse 26. And he said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, and he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full ear in the, the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put forth, putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. God bless you, you can be seated. Now here in Sarah's story that we have been speaking of that here she was in the presence of Christ, the Son of Man. And he was removing the unbelief um, as he was in this great demonstration or pouring out of his spirit and was restoring to her faith and life. Now we know God's word calls for total separation from unbelief. And unbelief can manifest itself in very different forms. It can come from spirits of doubt or fear that attach, attaches itself to us like a parasite. Now, in Sarah's day, it was an end time. And I believe we are in an end time right now. And God was declaring in that moment in time, in that message to Abraham and Sarah, he was declaring the end of the Sodom world. And the end of, and then also the end of Sarah's barrenness, and the the end of her being just a slave girl, being thought as uh, being the uh, being the, that the child of the slave girl was thought as the heir of the promise. There was coming an end to a lot of things that was taking place, and and yet there were new beginnings that were beginning to happen. And of course, this types the church natural, the church carnal. And the church spiritual. For they will not inherit the same. One goes through the tribulation. And the other's inheritance is the promised son. The return of Jesus Christ. And the rapture. And for the bondswoman's children cannot be heir with the free woman's children. Because they are two different categories. The, the carnal church cannot be heir with the church that is born of the spirit. And that's why the rapture is different and will only be 
for the royal seed of Abraham. It cannot come by natural carnal seed of the church, but it'll have to be the royal seed of the word of God through Abraham, the royal seed. Now, so for the church spiritual, the rapture is her lot in the inheritance. For the church carnal, the tribulation is her lot. And she fulfills the scripture of the rest of the dead live not for for a thousand years. So she misses the thousand year honeymoon because she is not the bride. Now, Jesus tells us in his kingdom that the church will start out as mature grain and then will go into decline as it's planted in the ground and then through stages that it will come back to the original grain again. And when it does, then the harvest rapture comes. So, you know, we, we've heard it preached um, as uh, Brother Branham would minister many times on the subject of it was not so from the beginning. So he is declaring that whatever was in the beginning, it must be the same as it was back there. And he, and he is pointing out things that, that are in the church that was not so from the beginning. That this is not the way it was in the original church, in the original grain. And it means that the church must be restored to what it was at the beginning. Now, during the the ages, the church lost the identity of looking and being like the grain. It was a come to a point. There was nothing like the apostles, nothing like the book of Acts, nothing like what was being displayed there in the workings of the Holy Spirit. And, and of course, it was planted in the dark ages and it would rise as a blade and, and then the blade would, would look like nothing like the grain. You know, yes, we look at a blade and say, well, that's wheat, but it looks nothing like the grain, the seed that was planted. And we, we know that God must have a church for a rapture that looks exactly like the grain in the beginning. Amen. You cannot harvest it, as we've said, in the blade stage or the pollen stage or the shuck stage. It is only when it reaches the grain that it can come back to harvest again. So, you know, some even in the message realize what they have looks nothing like the original church in the book of Acts. So they try to cover for that by saying, well, we're, we're writing another book of Acts, insinuating that we're somehow different from the original planting. The book of Acts, let me just say, was not the acts of man. It was the acts of the Holy Spirit. And it is the same Holy Spirit working today as was given in Acts chapter 2. So we are not writing something different. Amen. We, we, are, not, we are not another in that sense. But we are continuation of this works and acts of the Holy Ghost. So it is not something different. It is the same gospel. It is the same message. It is the same spirit. And it is the same power because it is the original grain. Amen. But it is though some believe we're something different from the original vine. Like, um, like some of the other moves, they were grafted into the vine. But this is not a graft. Amen. This is not a, 
This was not a branch taken off of one tree and then put into this. It's not a lemon that's put into an orange tree. It's not a grapefruit that's put into an orange tree. But this is not a graft. It is a branch out of the original vine. So it produces the same fruit that the original vine produced. When Jesus was on earth, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And when a vine comes forth, branches comes out of that vine. And and then the first branch comes up. The second branch is going to look like the first branch. And then the third will look like the same. And then they own to the end. Every branch will look like the same. So one, one doesn't come with a grapevine leaf and the other come up with an oak leaf and another a palm leaf. You know, it starts as a great leaf and it ends with a grape leaf. Amen. So it's got to have the same kind of fruits because it is the same branch because it comes out of the original vine. It is not a grafted affair. It is something out of the original vine itself. And if the first church was a product of that vine, Jesus Christ was that vine and it wrote a book of Acts out of it, then the second branch will have the same thing or it's a grafted branch. Amen. Something of a different life. If the original branch brought forth love and joy and loyalty and gifts of the Spirit and casting out devils and water baptism by mercy in the name of Jesus Christ and one God, all of that, if if that was the original church, the, the last day church has to be the same. It cannot be something different. If it's something different, it's something somebody stuck into. They grafted from somewhere else, but it didn't come out of the original vine. And if a church cannot write a book of Acts behind it, amen, then it's in the wrong vine. It's of the wrong vine. You see, there's something wrong with it. And I, I'm just going to cover something here as Brother Brandon would, would, uh, would you paraphrase some that would say, Lord Jesus, I go to a church. If I'd walk up to him and say, I, I go to a church that doesn't believe in divine healing, he would say, it wasn't so from the beginning. If I went to Jesus and said, Lord, my, my church don't believe in speaking with other tongues, he would say, it wasn't so from the beginning. If I went to the Lord Jesus and said, it's, uh, I've been sprinkled and my church says it's all right. And my pastor said, if I sprinkle you with water, it's just as good as immersion. Jesus would say, it wasn't so from the beginning. If I just walked up to Jesus and said, I took and shook hands and, uh, and took the right hand of fellowship from the church. I believe I've been born again. Jesus would say, it's not so from the beginning. We've got to go back to the beginning. Where did the church leave Jesus at Pentecost? And there's where the churches have to go back to find him is back to Pentecost. Now that's why Malachi 4 was so needed. That's why in this day God promised before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet. He's going to turn your hearts back to the faith of the fathers. Now, and of course... This is, this is what he was to do in, in his vision. He would see the bride in preview. And he would see that here she would come starting out in the beginning, that holy little group of people walking in step with, uh, with the gospel of Christ and, and, and with a tune of own, 
onward Christian soldier. You remember his vision. And then he said, it, you know, he would see a, another group arise. And, and there, there they were. They were coming out. They were dressed differently. And, and they were lewd and crude. And there wasn't nothing like that original group. And he said, you know, he, then it comes on. He said, now, in this preview, I'm going to show you the church of the USA. And he said, I saw her. She was naked except for a little gray something she was holding in front of herself. And she was dancing to the tune of rock and roll. And and as she did, I looked and I said, God, after all that I've done, after all that I've preached, after all the gospel that has went forth, is this the best that we could present to you? And he said, I was about to faint. And about that time, the angel of God said, but the bride that was at the beginning is going to come back again at the end. And he said, here I saw that same little group going right down, marching in tune with the gospel. Amen. Come on, church. And he said, when the others went down, this one went up. I don't want to be a part of the fallen church. I want to be a part of that church that's rising. She's exactly like the one that was in the first place. Walking to the step of the music of God's word. He said she's to be the same bride. The same kind built out of the same kind of material that she was in the first place. Now read Malachi 4 and see if we're not supposed to have a message in the last day that will turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers, back to the original Pentecostal message, word by word. Then he says, brothers, we are here. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's where we're at. We are here. And I want to say, church, we are here. We have arrived. Amen. This is a, you are the people that have been seen in the vision. Hallelujah. They're walking in step with the word. And while others go down, you go up. Brothers, we are here. I like Sarah returning back to her young, her youth. That was not going to fix her problem. Just to make her young again was not going to fix it. There was a reason she was barren. And that had to be fixed. However, if she didn't return to her youth, she, she could not bring forth the promised son. And likewise, this age where the church returns to be in the bride, she was at Pentecost. The bride has to return to her original state. And instead of falling and as a seed being planted, she must bring forth Jesus, the promised son, back to the earth. Before the bride can be raptured, she must return first to Pentecost. And I'm not talking about Azusa Street. I'm talking about what was in Acts 2. Amen. But Pentecost, what is it? It's a restoration of the same kind of grain that went in the ground at the beginning, bring back the fullness of the power of Pentecost by the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the last days. 
Again, he would tell us in the message, the token, he promised that Malachi 4 would do this and to manifest his word to turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers, back to the original Pentecostal word, the real Bible word. The Pentecostals that claim Pentecostal is an organization, there is no such a thing. Pentecost is an experience not an organization. They tried to organize it, but you can't. See, it doesn't organize. Pentecost is an experience. I want you to hear this. It is the seal of God, the Holy Spirit that came down on the day of Pentecost. So you see, Pentecost is an experience. It is the seal of God, the Holy Spirit that came down on the day of Pentecost. So, you know, some would say a Pentecostal experience is just emotion. Well, It does have emotion with it, but it is the seal of God. And without it, you're not going in the rapture. To go go on a plane, you gotta purchase a ticket. To get on a train, you gotta purchase a ticket. This ticket is a token that you must show that the fare has been paid. And that's what the Holy Ghost is. It is a sign. It is a token. It is a seal. It is a stamp of approval that you can get on the plane, that you can go in the rapture. And Pentecost is an experience you must have. No option. You want to make the rapture, you must have it. Amen. The same Holy Ghost that was. And it's more than just an anointing on your spirit. It's the seal of God that came on the day of Pentecost. You see, when you accepted the Lord as your Savior, you accepted him. When he gives you the Holy Ghost, he's accepted you. Amen. And the Holy Ghost is your sign that he has approved your repentance, your surrenderance, that there's nothing loose on the inside of you and you're ready for the journey. Now, Brother Branham insisted, insisted that people receive the experience of Pentecost. In Jehovah Jireh in 64, he would say, listen, friends, I know they say Pentecost, they organized Pentecost. He said, that's wrong. Pentecost is an experience. And Brother Branham even said, when I was really born again, he said, I was automatically a Pentecostal. So anyone that's ever been born again, you are a Pentecostal. If you've received the Holy Ghost, you are a Pentecostal. You may not, we're not organizational Pentecost, but we have the original Pentecostal experience, the seal of God, whereby we are sealed into the day of redemption. And he said that Pentecost is an experience. The Methodists get it. The Baptists get it. All of them get it. Pentecost is not organized. It's an experience. And if you haven't had the experience of Pentecost, come receive it now. Remember, if you believe me to be his servant, his prophet, remember there's a genuine baptism of the Holy Ghost right in the midst of all the fanaticism. There's a genuine Holy Ghost birth, a genuine born of God. You come, believe it now. Amen. Amen. So here's what he said. If you believe me, if you believe me to be his prophet, there is a genuine baptism of the Holy Ghost, a Pentecostal experience you must receive. 
So where does it put people that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost anymore? They just dismiss it as just an emotion. They don't believe God's prophet. It's as simple as it can be. Now, if you, like I said, if you've got the Spirit of God in you, you are Pentecostal. Amen. You've received the Pentecostal experience. A lot of times people ask me in the store, oh, you know, what church do you go to? Are you Pentecostal? And I said, by experience. I'm not by organization, but I am by experience. I've had the experience. I know who Jesus is. I know I've received the Holy Ghost. Therefore, I'm Pentecostal by experience. Remember, he said, I'm so glad God promised or planted a Holy Ghost seed on the day of Pentecost that hybrided, that, that hybrided into this denomination. But after a while, it's going back to its original again. I believe we're in that after a while, don't you? Amen. Back to the real Holy Ghost, back to the gospel message, back to Acts 2 again, back to the foreigner, back to where it began at. Now, but he said now, when we say Pentecostal, I mean the real Pentecostal. Not the so-called, but the real Pentecostal message is nothing but the restoration of that which went into the ground. That's been packed through Luther, Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, but now it just comes to an ear. And as bad as I hate to make this statement, there's been some fungus growing on it. And you farmers know that it's, it's something that imitates the ear. And that's what we're wanting to cut at tonight. Because you don't pull off your corn, it'll cause the whole patch to go bad. Now, I'm going to be speaking on today, I'm going to be speaking on removing the fungi and the parasites. I don't know if you noticed or not, but in Joel 2, we were reading of parasites that were eating down the crop. Amen. Here here again, you know, we were looking at Sarah and what, what had to be removed from her, the unbelief, the doubt. She had to start believing again. She'd taken a bunch of parasites of unbelief. And there had to be a restoration. Somebody with me now? And when we're looking here, Jesus tells us that, that here that it will come from grain to grain. But it's in that stage of grain that the fungus hit it. That's what we're going to be speaking on this morning. Removing the fungi and the parasites. You see, he said, listen, we got a lot of fungus on the ear. You know what fungus is, don't you? We got a lot of fungus on the ear, a lot of nonsense and carrying on, a lot of fussing and fighting between denominations, but still it's the ear of corn. And God will trim it out some of these days and take it to the garner. Oh, brother, I'll tell you, when we look around and we see fungi and parasites in the body of Christ, we ought to take a consolation. God's going to trim it out. He's going to have a rapture no matter what has happened, what takes place. He's going to have a harvest. He said, I love a church without a spot or wrinkle or without a blemish or any such thing. Amen. It's Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same in power, the same in manifestation, the same in every way as he was then. 
and he hears right now are the scriptures wrong, and we know the scripture isn't wrong. Now, on the wheat or on the grain, and it happens even more often in rye grass or rye, rye seed for, made for the rye grain, but it can also happen in the wheat that it gets something called an ergot fungus that affects the wheat. An ergot fungus on the wheat has caused a lot of strange illnesses in human history. People died from this horrible, painful malady. They didn't even know what was causing it. And it could cause death and crippling among people and especially loss of limbs and and fingers and hands and toes and feet. And, And though they would bake the grain thoroughly, heat would not kill the effects of the fungi. And and no matter how they cooked it up, it didn't remove its poison. And this is a problem that preachers have cooked up the bread of life infected with fungi that is actually killing the people. And by using, and they do this by using the quotes from the word of God and, and, and they're infected with a twist of its true meaning and the next thing you know, you have death and dying that is being served as the bread of life. Do you hear what I'm saying? And all the way back, you know, historically back to the yeah, 600 years before Christ, the Assyrians wrote on a tablet warning about the effects of a noxious, a noxious, a noxious uh, postule in the ear of grain. And they were warning that, left a warning for future generations. Ergot poisoning is a strange fire in which a burning of the limb is followed by its separation from the body. Often it will consume the victim in one night. In the year 944, there were over 40,000 people died in France from it in one year alone. In the year 1596, there was a man by the name of Wendelin uh, Thelius in the Roman Empire. He was one of the first to attribute um, ergotism poisoning to the grain. And he identified it. This is what is causing this strange malady that's among the people. In 1722, you may have heard of the Russian Tsar, Peter the Great. He was thwarted in his campaign as a uh, against the Ottoman Empire as his army traveling down the Tarek steppe was struck by ergotism and was forced to retreat to find fresh edible grains. And there was a diary entrance entry in that time that notes that as soon as people ate the poisoned bread, they become dizzy. And with the strong nerve contractions and those who didn't die on the first day found their hands and feet falling off akin to frostbite. And this was all caused by an ergot fungus on the ear. And as the wheat plant advanced from Luther through Wesley, then came the shuck that looked more like the original grain. It was the start of the grain. As Brother Branham said, it would take a microscope to see the grain and the shuck and and that, you know, in the early stage, but there was a little speck within the shop. And that, of course, was Azusa Street. Because finally we're coming to an ear, but it's not the full ear. 
but it is an ear. And so, but there was fungi that got on the ear. You see, ergot gives off a little honeydew. And this honeydew will attract insects. And these insects then will spread it from plant to plant. And the first stage of the infection manifests itself as a little white tissue producing this sugary honeydew. And it drops out, you know, into the grass florets. And it has many sexual spores in it, which the insects will then disperse all to the whole crop. And the first thing you know... You know, this fungus, which is something that, inner, you know, that imitates the ear, it, it actually begins to be spread from plant to plant until the whole harvest is infected. It's amazing, and I want you to hear me, it's amazing where the devil always attaches himself. It's at the place of the new birth. If he can offer a substitute for the Holy Ghost, he will. He will do everything he can to keep you from a true upper room experience. And this is why and how these attack the message of fungi, of easy believism. You see, saying just believe the message and you got the Holy Ghost, that teaching is a sticky, sticky, sugary, attractant for demons and is spread across the globe. And the first thing you know, you got people professing their believing and still living their dirty lives and immorality and drunkenness and alcohol and everything and yet maybe play a tape every night to soothe their conscience. Amen. And claiming that's the Holy Ghost. That is not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost comes and it it produces a holy life. It cleanses you from sin. It takes the desire of sin out of your life. It makes a new creation out of you. It is not a reformation. It is a transformation. Fungus in the ear. Fungus in the ear, though, isn't always easy believism. In the, in the Azusa movement, speaking in tongues was what they came up with as an evidence. And that sweet honeydew of a doctrine came to make it easy to turn a supernatural happening into something carnal. Something that you could teach how to speak in tongues by teaching them how to jabber, repeating words over and over and over and over and over until they had a confusion of language. This confusion of language they called tongues, it was a far cry from that original germ of life. It was an impersonation. Amen. Now, I'm not saying there was nothing real in Azusa Street because it did start out with real things. But what happened was is that You know, easy believism, they found a way to make it easy to speak in other tongues. Are you with me? By teaching them how to do it. By repeating a word like Jesus, 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 over and over and over again until they had a confusion of language and called that tongues. This was not Pentecost. This was not the upper room. It wasn't, you know, a confusion of language that gave them utterance. It was the Holy Ghost that had come down. And that gave them the power to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
Brother Seymour at Azusa Street, he gave stern corrections from time to time. One day he commented, he said, I need to say something very important. We got too many folk coming in here seeking the tongues. When you go down to the shoe store, don't say to, you don't say to the clerk, I want to buy a pair of tongues. You say, you just buy the shoes and the tongues come with them. Folks need to just be seeking the Holy Ghost. The tongues part will take care of itself. Amen. But you see, we need some kind of easy believism, either the formal kind or the wild kind. Amen. But I want to just say, don't you take a substitution for a real new birth. Amen. So how will I know that I'm born again? Will I speak with tongues? You may and you may not because all don't speak with tongues. Paul said that. Amen. Well, you say, well, will I prophesy? You may or you may not. Some did when they received the Holy Ghost. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. Amen. But what will you do? Your life must be transformed by the transforming power of God and the desire of sin taken out of your life and you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Never judge your life by how how you can jump or how loud you can shout or because you believe the message. You judge your life by coming subject to this word that your life says amen. I didn't say your mouth. I said your life says. Your life says. Your mouth can be saying one thing, your life another. But if your life is saying it, your mouth will say it too. Don't take a substitution. The Holy Ghost is no reformation. It's a transformation. It's not a 10-step program. It's not a works program. It's not a, we'll get you involved in the church, and if we can just get you involved, it ain't about getting you involved. It's getting God involved. When you get God involved in your life, your life is radically different. You're not the same as you used to be. Remember now, Judas could come up through justification and sanctification, but he couldn't make it to the upper room. You see, before that, you know, he would follow right in the track. He believed on Jesus Christ. You don't think the devil believes on Jesus? The Bible said he believes and trembles. Oh, yeah, and Judas believed on him, accepted him as personal savior, sanctified, given power to cast out devils. Can you imagine this man, son of perdition, casting out devils? He didn't, let let me just clarify something. He didn't do it by the power of Satan either. Satan cast out Satan, his kingdom's divided. So what did he do? He did it by the power of God. That's why in the last days, the anointed ones of the end time come into view because there will be anointed ones who are false, who are performing signs and wonders. Insomuch it would deceive the very elect, but That does not take away from the true anointing and the true signs and wonders because, amen, the true ones that believe, these signs will follow those that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. In my name, they will speak with new tongues. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's what believers do. But Satan wants to come along and impersonate that. And Jesus said there would be a whole group show up one day. 
and say, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out devils in your name? Hadn't we done mighty, wonderful works? And he'd say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. But let's get it straight. Just because, let's get it straight. The devil doesn't heal. Come on, church. Amen. The devil can't cast out Satan. So you see, those signs are, are for the true, not for the false, but the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Which brings about an age of confusion. And this, was, this is exactly what Jesus said. It would be so close, it would deceive the elect if it were possible. But thanks be to God, it's not possible. Amen, because there is a people in this day that is predestinated not to fall, but a people in this day ordained to recognize the devil and his tricks and to overcome in this hour. Now, Judas followed in the same tracks the rest of the disciples. He was justified, believing on the Lord Jesus. He was sanctified and given power to cast out spirits. Amen. And, and, and even Jesus, when they come to him, he said, don't rejoice because, you know, devils are subject to you in my name. Rejoice because your name is written in heaven. But when it come to Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the fullness of the word, he showed his colors. Because, you see, that's the word in his fullness when it produces in you deity. And Judas, before he reaches Pentecost, he betrays the Lord, moves off the scene. And you watch this scene, the spirit comes so close, right up, believes the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and uh, like Jesus uh, said, or uh, the Bible said, rather, devils believe and tremble. He'll come right up and teach sanctification and live just a pure a holy life. But when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Ghost and gifts of the Spirit, he'll deny it. He'll show his colors every time. There's the Spirit. Jesus said in Matthew 24, the two spirits would be so close together till it would deceive the very elect. You know, see what, there's the pattern laying. Brother, you better believe in an old-fashioned Holy Ghost preachers around here and get right with God. I think that's good advice today. Don't just have a form of godliness and deny the power. Amen. That's, that's what's wrong with churchanity today. They have a form of godliness. They have a form of religion, but they deny the power that will give a person an overcoming life. Oh, we just can't help but sin and we can't help but do wrong and we can't help but go back to our old habit. Let me tell you, that's true. You cannot help that. You were born a sinner. Amen. That's your condition that you're in. But if you ever get born again, you're not born another sinner. You're not even born another human. You're born as deity moves on the inside of your life. Amen. God, his power is the one living in you, the overcoming life. And without that, you can't overcome. Amen. Now, so you see the same thing happen as we come up and you watch even the church as it advanced. It come, it come from the Baptists and Lutheran and 
you know, they, this were a move of God. As they, as, and this was the infancy of the church as it comes up from the grain at the, through the dark ages. Now, it doesn't look like the grain. It doesn't have the same power as the grain. It's a green little weak blade. Amen. The harvest sun would kill it. So it can't even take the full strength of the word. So you see, what little bit it comes is, is a, a justification. I, I believe in Christ, and, and, I, and he, he alone pardons the sin, and the just shall live by faith. And this was Luther and the Baptists and those, that was their message. And they were a part of the body. And in the great resurrection, there'll be many of them raised up as part of the bride of Christ. But then, you know, God, he moves on and the light become brighter and the, the plant would progress with, with the sun. And as the word come unfolded and made known, the next thing you know is that, that, um, that, that the, the, they begin to realize, but we need something more. We need to be sanctified. And there come the old shouting Methodists. Hallelujah. They begin to have experiences with God that just made them shout. The old Quakers would jerk under the Holy Spirit. Amen. That was the Holy Ghost. They would fall out under the power of God. Amen. Even in the old Nazarenes, they would, they would cast out devils. They would even have sick healed. Miracles would happen. Amen. But you see, it comes around to Azusa Street, and now a greater outpouring of the Holy Ghost comes, and they can't move on. They can't move on, but the life is leaving them. Amen. And it's moving now into, into the ear. And as it does, as it does, they begin to show their colors. They begin to blaspheme and make fun of those speaking in tongues. They begin to ridicule the moving of the Spirit of God. And when they do, they, are, they become just exactly like Judas. They come right up, right up to Pentecost, right up to the edge, right as where it begins, begins to go into the ear. Remember, it ain't the full ear yet. But it's the ear, nevertheless. And as it goes into, starting into the grain stage and start moving it, as Brother Bradman said, takes a microscope, you know, but a prophetic eye can look down and say, yeah, it's the seed coming through that. It's the grain that is coming through that. It's not maturity yet. You can't harvest a shuck. Amen. Only the, the grain can go into the garner. It's when it reaches that stage that the sickle is thrust in and the rapture comes. Is somebody with me? Amen. And, but what did they do? You know, just as Judas, they did everything. They walked right up, right up to the moving of the Holy Spirit, denied it, walked away, and refused to have anything to do with the furtherance of the Holy Ghost. With the speaking in tongues that was happening at Azusa Street and the Spirit of God being poured out now in a greater way. And as they did, Brother Branham will look at him and he said, that was Judas. Walked right up to the border. 
come right up to the edge and turned around and went back. Now, and he says this. He says this. He said, when it comes to borderline, come right at that spot to receive the Holy Ghost for the new birth. Then what did the devil do? Come right around and try to twist it around. And he'll do everything in his known power to keep the people out of there. Watch now. Here's where the attack of Satan is. He'll do everything in his known power to keep people from the Holy Ghost. He'll let you come so far because without it, you're not going in the rapture. Now, so you see, again, when it comes there to, to the Azusa Street, what happened with Pilgrim Holiness, Nazarene, and Methodist? They went right into formalism and, and moved away from that. We, we, we don't want it. And so they began to take away the shout from the Methodists, begin to reform the church, make it, make it uh, cold and starchy and formal, and they began to blaspheme the Holy Ghost and the workings of the Holy Ghost. And when you do there, that's no forgiveness for sin. Remember, there's no forgiveness for, 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 um, for, for blasphemy. You know, sometimes you, you see things you don't quite understand and, and you, you say, well, you know, I thought that was a little carnal. I thought that was maybe a little out of order. You know, the best thing to do is just sit there and just pray and, and be quiet about it. And don't say anything about it. Amen. Otherwise, you might be talking against God. Amen. This is exactly where Brother Branham found himself. He said, I, I watched some ladies come in my church, and we were Baptists, and he said, I watched them come in, and here they have their thimbles and washboard, and, you know, kind of an uncouth way of doing it, long hair and, you know, long dresses and whatever, and, and they were playing and beating on that, and one of them got to singing, and they began to dance, and he said, I was sitting there in the seat of the scornful. But I was afraid to say anything about it because he said it might be of God. They might be right and I might be wrong. You know, some people ought to have a little wisdom about things. Amen. You see God moving upon something. Don't, don't go and blast that. Amen. You can blaspheme. And Brother Branham realized this and he sat back and he said, I was sitting in the seat of the scornful. And I began to think. Where in the world is this in the Bible, dancing in the spirit? Where is that in the Bible? He said, you know, my old Baptist dignified ways, I'm sitting back there, we got the truth, and look at this. Uh, Why, wow, they turned my, my, uh, my church into a tavern, dancing around like that and screaming and shouting. He's sitting over there in the seat of the scornful. Where is that in the Bible? And he said, I began to think. And I began to look there as I thought, of Miriam, Miriam, when, when uh, they had crossed through the Red Sea and she saw her enemies dead, amen, she took a tambourine and started dancing in the spirit. And he said, I looked over there and he ended this a little further in the scripture and I saw David. And he said, when the word returned, David danced before the Lord. Come on. Amen. Listen, now don't say, oh, it's the dance that caused Uzzah to die in David's day. It wasn't the dance and the shout. That wasn't what it was. It was him. It was him bringing the ark 
as the way that the Philistine had done on a denominational ox cart instead of the shoulders of the Levite. They didn't consult the prophet. They didn't come God's provided way. They did not do that. And when they did do it right, David then danced before the Lord and Michael, his wife, made fun of him and was cursed with barrenness. And I'll tell you what, as Brother Branham looked at that, he said, I began to realize that dancing was associated with victory. And he said, the Spirit of God said to me, maybe you don't have enough victory. And he said, so I got to sitting there after that, and he said, first thing you know, my Methodist foot started patting. Then he said, my Baptist foot started patting. First thing you know, he said, I was right out in the middle of the floor with him. Amen. I tell you, it'd be good for a lot of people to get out of the seat of the scornful. Hallelujah. And have a little victory in their life. It might make you shout too. Amen. It might make you rejoice because the word has come back. You see, in the Bible, there was a place called Kadesh Barnea. And it was a place where Israel made a decision of we can't take the land. And it is a type of those who will not go into the Holy Ghost. Just remember, the promised land types the Holy Ghost. And all this in it. You saw that the Holy, the promised land types this word, Brother Tim, this message, this word. It types the Holy Ghost, and in the Holy Ghost is the word. Somebody with me? Don't try to separate it. Amen. If you got the Holy Ghost, you, you'll have the word. If you have the, if you have the word, you'll have the Holy Ghost. You can't separate it. And so they were at, you know, they, they came to Kadesh Barnea. They sent over spies and said, the, the giants are too big. You know, the land's just like God said, but we can't take it. It's not for us. And so, as you, you know, it was there that they turned and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Brother Branham would tell his own church, he said, this tabernacle, and then he'd speak of the Pentecostal world, is at Kadesh Barnea right now. And I think of that, I think we have been at this place of Kadesh Barnea many times. Many, many movements have come to their own Kadesh Barneas. And I believe that's where we're at today is into a Kadesh Barnea where some look over into the land and said, we can't take it. We're not able to take it. You know, we gotta, we gotta wander around back over here. Well, and I'll tell you what, we'll have a course of wandering around from day to day in some type of psychology to teach our children or teach our young men or teach our men about sexuality and how to live right and how to treat their wife right. You see, they're at Kadesh Barnea and they're saying the Holy Ghost is not able to keep a man clean or a woman clean. It can't really deliver you. So you need psychology. We need the way of denominations the way they do it. Now, again, we are at a Kadesh Barnea. 
People are either going to go into the Holy Ghost or they're going to go into wandering. And when I say the Holy Ghost, that's the fullness of the word. Now, of course, you know, it, you know when it comes, the fungi comes as sticky sweet. You know, new light, a new twist on the doctrine of truth. A new man to follow is always exciting. A, a personality cult, you know, a new leader. Instead of receiving the word of God and the Holy Ghost of the leader, we've got to have another man to follow. You see, the, the word of the serpent was, it's pleasant to the eyes. It's sticky sweet, you know. It, it'll make one wise. And, you know, and so, you, you know, just, just taste, just eat of this. And this is, this is exactly how the ergot fungus is, done, is spread. It, it's through a sticky sweet little substance there that is given off by the fungi and, and then taken from plant to plant and plant. Now, let me just say, I don't know how God is going to get this bride to a rapture. But all I know there is, is God's going to do it. And it seems that we have come to harvest, and yet the ear has been overtaken with fungus. And that's all the devil wants to do in this, to, to the church is to get in this stage of harvest. And although it's grain, it's worthless for harvest. Could you imagine what the devil would like to do? That right here on the verge of the rapture, get the grain where it's not fit for harvest. An ergot fungus gets on the grain and it makes it poisonous to man and animal alike. So watch out grain, Satan's trying to attach a fungus to you. He's trying to make the church cold and formal and powerless. You know, it seems that there's any emotion in our worship. Some things it's not word. You know, it's just noise. But irregardless of, of how you think, the word must be anointed. And it must live. You see, God wants his church like he had it. God started his church the way he wanted it. And now he wants his church the way he started it. Now, when Jesus ascended the throne, his throne, and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and his disciples went forth and they preached and proclaimed the word, and then, then if it was the word, then signs and wonders were to follow the word when we believe. Mark 16, 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up to heaven, sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere and the Lord working with them confirming the word with signs following Amen. now listen you don't ever put signs ahead of the word but if you have the word signs must follow the word so you say we got the word brother Tim then where are the signs amen because it has to be the Lord working with you with signs following. Amen. The Lord working. The Bible, Bible is said this way in another translation. It said the Lord working or the Lord partnered with them. Assisting them with power. Brother, that's what I want. 
I want God partnered with me. Amen. What? Assisting them with power. The word was signs, signs and miracles, or signs and miracles and wonders which God authenticates the man, so the men that are sent by him, or by which the men prove that their pleading is of God. See, you see, in Acts 14 and 3, the Bible said that they were spoke boldly in the Lord and gave testimony unto the word of his grace. So the word of his grace gave testimony. So God always gives testimony of his word. If we have a message and there's no testimony following, it is not the word. Amen. It may be dogmas, it may be creed, but it isn't the word. It may be good ideas, it may be good things said. It may even have Bible quotes in it or message quotes in it, but it ain't the word unless signs are following it. Amen. God has to give testimony. When Jesus went forth, he said, your doctrine is different from the denominations of this day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He said, your doctrine is different. He said, they they said they were astonished at his doctrine for his word was with power. Amen. Amen. Then he goes and cast out the devil out of a man. They were amazed and spake among themselves and said, what a man, what a word is this? For with authority and power, he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they came out. What a word is this? Amen. And I say this, this, only the word of God will, will produce what it says. It must have the signs following the word. You say, but Brother Tim, there are signs that are following this and following that one. And this man did that. Yes, there are anointed ones at the end time. Amen. But the bride is also the anointed one of this day. And for following the word must be signs and wonders following them, those that believe. But this fungi wants to make the church a powerless religion that God hates. This fungi cripples the church where she can't work the works of God, actually cutting off her hands and feet. You see, you see, God hates a powerless religion. Any religion that doesn't have Christ in it is powerless. Amen. And Jesus, or God would say to Isaiah, said, your solemn feast, your religion, it stinks in my nostrils. Do you realize that worship can come because of stink in God's nostrils, where it makes him upset in his stomach? He says to the Laodicean, he said, because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. You make me sick with your formal worship. God hates formal religion. God hates powerless worship. Amen. True worship must have power in it. Hallelujah. Amen. This is what he said to the Laodiceans, you know, that, that I, 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 I hate. I spew that out of my mouth. It's detestable. But you know something else that it costs? They found that the ergot fungus fed to a pregnant woman would cause her to abort. Let that sink. It would cause her to abort. It would keep the child from coming to a full birth, into life. Did you, do you know... Did you know the Methodist church almost had the Holy Ghost one time? 
I'm quoting Brother Branham. I went, I went to a Methodist church and see them fall on the floor and throw water in their face and fan them with a fan to keep the Holy Ghost from coming on them. He said Wesley had a revival and the people would fall out on the floor with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they would pour water in their face and fan them and they'd lay all night on the floor. He said, too bad you had a pitcher of water or you might have come through. Too bad you had a, too bad you interrupted that. Amen. Too bad you poured water on it. They might have come through with a true baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what I say. Let him alone. Amen. Let the eaglet peck his way out of a shell. Amen. Oh, let me just tell you, friends, where we're at in this day and time. You know, when you have a little egg there from a, from a, from a, of a chicken or an eagle trying to peck its way out, don't you help it. Amen. I remember as a kid watching little biddies try to hatch out, and you know, you'd want it. You'd get so excited, you'd want to help them break out. And when you do, it would kill the little baby, kill the little chick. You can't help them out. Come on now. You can't help them out. You can't make them jabber and speak with tongues and help them out. You can't just have them come down the, the altar and shake a hand and help them out and say you're born again. Come on. It takes there's something there on the inside. They've got to die to the old life. Amen. There's something that is there on the end of their beak and they start pecking. And they start pecking. You said, what are altar calls for? It's a place where little chickens can peck and peck and peck. Hallelujah. You said, what if they didn't get through the first time? Maybe they got just a little hole in that let them know there's an air, there's an atmosphere, there's a reality of God, and they keep breaking through and breaking through. Don't interrupt them. Don't throw water on them. Don't quit having altar calls. Don't quit the moving of the spirit. Let God move and let them peck their way out. Let them die to the old life. Let them die to sin. Let them die to unbelief. Let them be born again by the spirit of God. Hallelujah. You see, they got to pip their way out. You know, sometimes people get impatient. They get aggravated because some keep coming to the altar. Well, how many, how many times do they have to come, Brother Tim? I, you know, I saw, I've been watching your services, and some of them same people keep coming down again. So, well, you know, well, if they were really getting something. How many times do they have to come? I'll tell you how long. Until that old life is dead and sin nature is killed out and they break through free of the shell and the former life they used to live in and they're a new creature in Christ never to go back to the shell again. Hallelujah. That's how long, how long it takes. One service, two service, one offering, two of I don't care how many times, let them come.
tell you what, it wouldn't hurt for some of you to break through until you got a fresh air of the Holy Ghost and said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. He is the healer. He is the Savior. He is the deliverer. He's my God, my King, my Lord. Break through. Hallelujah. But they need is an old-fashioned prayer altar till they pray through. Don't throw water in their face. We got a bunch of preachers. They may not literally take a pitcher of water, but they'll throw water in their face. We don't need that anymore. We don't want that. We're dignified now. We get it just by believing the message. What they need is an old-fashioned pearl. There's no other way. They substitute something for the new birth. You say, you know, just come up and believe. Come up and believe. You know, you're a good boy. Oh, yeah, you got porn. Yeah, you got all of that. But, you know, you'll grow out of that. You won't grow out of it. Well, you know, I'm not worried about you girls wearing lipsticks and makeup and whatever. You'll grow out of that. As you mature, you'll grow out. No, you got to have a nature change. When you get a nature change, then your whole life is different. Amen. Now, hope you know where you're at today. We're in a church today where we're going to preach the Word of God. And even though we're having two services Sunday, I'm still going to take a little time this morning. I heard a preacher the other day say, you know, said, well, I, you know, I, I'm not going to preach very long. He said, my, my sermon's going to be like a woman wearing a mini dress. He said, you know, it's uh, short enough to be interesting and long enough to cover the subject. Well, this is no mini skirt sermon. Come on now. That's not the kind of Christians we are. Amen. We don't want mini skirts sermon and mini skirts religion. Amen. We want something of holiness and decency that'll transform you into a child of the living God. That'll take the sex spirits away from you and make it where they no longer do desire to make men lust after you. But not only that give you men a power to turn your head. And you say, well, Brother Tim, that's the problem. I'm going down the street, and I look over here, and there they are. I look over there, and there they are. And I look up here, and there they are. I look behind me, and there they are. Then look up. They ain't there. And that's where you're from. But the new birth will make you do things you didn't think you'd do. You see, again, what, what again happens with the, the ergot fungus, it causes still births. In other words, dead babies that never really breathe the breath of life. You know, they come, you know, the birth is like a conception in the womb. It starts out at conception with believing on Christ it grows through its sanctification. Then it is birthed into a new life. Yes, 
never to go back to the womb again. How many is with me now? So you see, that, that's, that's how it is. So it's a birth. And a birth is a mess no matter where it is. You know, I, I've been a farmer and there in the goat barn or livestock barn, you know, it's a mess. Whether the cow is giving birth, the goat is giving birth or whatever, it's always a mess. Even when a little chick is hatched out, it's a stinky mess. You know, you, you know, and it comes out all wet and, you know, it's not, it's not fuzzy and cuddly then. It's all wet. It has to dry out. You know, it has to, it has to change to a different atmosphere that it was in. And the, so is the new birth. You see, it'll make you do things you didn't think you would do. It'll make you get down to the altar and scream and cry and wash the paint off your face and raise your hands and praise God and speak in tongues and all kinds of things. The new birth won't do that because it's God's provided way of being born again. Amen. And right down to the end of his ministry, Brother Branham was telling us, the problem with the church is we got too many stillborn babies. That they're born and they never got the breath of life. Man's got to die to his own thinking. He's got to die to his thinking of anything but God's word. Say, so, well, I think this is okay. You know, I don't think God cares. And God loves me no matter how I am. Listen, that's true. God loves you no matter how you are. He loves you when you were unlovable. While you were a sinner, Christ died for you. But he did not want you to stay in that unlovable condition you were in. Amen. So you see, a man's got to die to his own thinking. Got to die to anything but God's word. If God says it, we're going to believe it. We're going to preach it. We're going to practice it. You know, we don't meet God on our own thoughts. We meet him on what he said to do. You see, now, when you, so when you feed bread that is infected with this, with this ergot fungus, it causes stillborn babies. And they're born of intellectual conceptions and dry-eyed confessions. And when you see that, you know fungi's at work. Amen. This noxious grain will cause pregnant women to drop the womb and die in childbirth. And there again, how many churches do we see today that dies? There's no life in them. How many, how many have went along, and I, I say this to shame, but there's been many of them that's went years and years and years without even baptism, without even a new convert. That ain't the church. If the church isn't casting out devils, it's not God's church. You say, what does a convert have to do with casting out devils to get saved? The devils that enslaved you have to be cast out. Amen. So salvation is always casting Satan out. What about divine healing? Divine healing is casting out Satan. Amen. He comes in every kind. Jesus never said, you know, you epilepsy, you this, you this, some sign to it. He said, thou devil come out of him. Amen. The very chief principal work of the church of Jesus Christ must be casting out devils. Cast out devils means that you have new ones born into the kingdom. 
To cast out devils means that we have healing for the sick. You know, again, you see, you see when, when, we, when this happens there, they, they are born into a new life. Now, so as we look at this, we know then that this is not a different Holy Ghost, but this is the same Holy Ghost. It's the same book of Acts because it's the same Holy Spirit writing it. If he wrote it this way the first time, he will write it this way the second time. So if we're writing another book of Acts, it won't be us truly writing it. It'll be the Holy Spirit writing it. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we can't have a different book of Acts. The same thing the Holy Spirit did is the same thing the Holy Spirit is doing. The same grain that went down at the beginning is the same grain that comes out in the end. But there is a difference. And the difference is where they were predestinated to. God determined to plant one. And God has planned to harvest one. And in this harvest season, we are not going down into decay again. We're not going to perpetuate the ages. Amen. We're, we're at a time, we're at a day where the lamb has taken the book and loosed the seals and is handing it back to man again. The title to the earth that man lost. Is somebody with me? Amen. I know you look out here and say, well, Brother Tim, I'll tell you what. It's a very cold day, wouldn't you know? We, what we want is it restored back to Eden again, like it was with Adam, and he would just control the weather. Say, peace be still. When the wind blew, this is Adam. And again, I always say the reason why we know Adam could do that because that's what the second Adam did. Is that right? He controlled nature. He could say, peace, be still. There was nothing to hurt or destroy in all the holy mountains. Amen. If there was an animal rose up, he'd just say, peace, be still. If there was, if there was something, that was, you know, some turmoil that began to happen, nothing could happen. It was under Adam's control. And we, we want to see everything. Well, you know, turn it back to perpetual spring. Turn it back to the, you know, let the earth be restored. It will be. But that's not what's first going to be restored. I want you to understand, taking the book of title begins with the title to your earth. Listen, what part of the earth fell first? Man. What part? Man was the king of the earth. Come on, somebody. Amen. So what's going to be restored back to the earth? Amen. Man back to kingship again. Amen. Hallelujah. And it's, amen. It started on the inside of you already. But one day your earth is going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And we are on the cusp of that. Hallelujah. Of claiming ever a redemptive rights. Hallelujah. Not temporary healing. Amen. Not, not temporary salvation of divine healing where temporarily you get well and get sick and die again. No. That's not 
nobody in it all. We're moving right into the cycle where those that are alive and remain will be changed in a moment at a twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. And then as king of the earth restored, we'll come back and make this world into a millennium. Hallelujah. Now, this is where we're at. We have grain with their got fungus on it. The church don't want any of those Acts 238 blabbering, screaming youngins. We want our church to be dignified. Dignified. This is how Satan got in the book of Acts church. This is how he's trying to get in the grain in the last day. Turn us into some dignified religion. This is what he did to the Methodists. Took their shout out. Took their old-fashioned camp meetings away. Took away the moving of the Holy Spirit. And the next thing you know, they just become a formal religion. Somebody help me preach. Amen. This is what the devil wants to do to us. He wants to take the power out of the gospel. Just turn it into a formal church. Listen, the cycle of revival and death has never failed. But I got some news for you. Amen. There's some cycle breakers in this last day that are going to break that cycle. Hallelujah. For instead of going down, she's going up. Instead of falling, she's rising. Oh, we got where we love the quote that says, in the invisible union of the bride. Listen, the word that fell on the day of Pentecost will not work this day. No, sir, that was for Pentecost. This is for the bride, to go in the home of the bride. We got something different. Pentecost was represented that again. We're in the bride age. No more than the word of Noah would work in the days of Moses. No more than Moses' law would have worked in the time of Paul here. He tried to tell him you're dead to that, and you cannot have it. And we love that quote. My goodness. You know, that, that gets preached and pounded and everything. Well, we love it because taken alone, it sounds like that we no longer need a Pentecostal experience like they had in Acts 2. But they failed to see he prefaced that statement in the same sermon by saying that the modern church was refusing Christ his child and no longer wanted to give birth. She didn't want him other children. And he said, if a woman won't have a baby for her husband, she'll take a dog or cat. Well, you know how true that is today. I've never seen the lack of a pet industry. And where the pets are being given human rights. You know, we, we have graveyards for pets and we have hospitals for pets and we have, you know, we have uh, pet adoptions and, and pet this and pet that and there's whole industry on pets. Because, again, you know, that, that, that a woman is to mother something. And there's nothing wrong with having a pet. I'm not knocking a pet. I'm just saying don't replace your pet with, with having a child and raising it for the glory of God. Are you with me? Amen. But he said, he said that she doesn't want to bear a child for a husband and raise it to the servants of God. He said she, she'd be so disgraced. 
She'd have her stretch marks. You know, she wouldn't fit in the, her former clothes. She look, would look like old Mother Hubbard. She don't want to look like some mother. She looks, wants to look like some striptease out here, some sex goddess out here. Let me just tell you, they ain't real. They're fake. People think what they see out here on porn is real. That is not real. That is fake. And it don't last. That's that woman that, you, that you're watching and lusting over, she'll be obsolete in a few days. She'll be old and decrepit and everything else. It won't last. She's fake. That beauty is not a lasting beauty. In fact, it's a dirty beauty. Amen. When you look at it, you ought to look at it and say it with disgust. First of all, you shouldn't look at it. But if you see it, it's disgust. It's disgust. Amen. My, you know, that, let me tell you, that kind of woman would never make you a wife. She'd never be a mother to your children. She wouldn't be a sweetheart. She, she's not real. She's fake. So why do, you want, why do you girls want to dress and look like them? You know, Dolly Parton, a, a Pentecostal girl, her father, a Pentecostal grandchild, uh, a grand, was a Pentecostal preacher since she was a grandchild of a Pentecostal. And he would preach against, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the dress of the world and things like that. And she rebelled against it. She saw out there a woman of the night. And she said, I want to look like that. So she dresses like that and models like that rather than a daughter of God. My grandson Luke saw her on a placard up there in, 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 in Tennessee a few years back. He said, boy, I don't know who this Dolly woman is. But she sure ain't pretty. (laughs) But you see, the world makes that glamour. They want to model after the striptease, the whore. That's what she wanted to model after, the whore, the woman of the night. Our our women shouldn't model after the whore. Come on, we're children of the most high God. Amen, we ought to dress with holiness and tastefulness and sweetness and humility. And, and the Bible said to have, a, uh, have a, a spirit about you, a, a humble spirit, a meek and humble spirit to adorn yourself. He said, let that be your adornment. Yes. Amen. Amen, but he said, uh, but again, he said, a, a true picture of the modern church today, neither does the modern church want any of these here screaming, shouting, tongue speaking, Acts 238, young ones around her. Yeah, yeah, she don't want any of them hooping and crying and screaming. Amen, hallelujah. What such a child would immediately put her out of her denomination. They had that one like that in one of her churches. They tore her out right quick. Why are you letting such stuff as that go on? So she sees she's pregnant with something. Because she's bringing forth members all the time. But she don't want any of them screaming, hollering, blabbering, Acts 2.38, miserable creatures she thinks they are. It would certainly embarrass her. 
It would ruin her and her educated, ethical, scientific, society, church that she belonged to. They would throw her out at the next council. She can't have it. So she don't want to be pregnated with the word because that's the only kind the word can bring forth. Amen. Born of the Spirit has the Spirit of God in it. No intellectual church, John Creek, going bobbed hair, painted face. No such a thing as that at all. You don't find that in the Word of God. You find an old-fashioned, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled child born of the Spirit of God, screaming, hollering, shouting, praising God. But that's altogether out of reaches for her. So you see, it brings the ergot to bring out stillborn babies. Fungi gets on the church. I'm not talking about attaching it back here to the blade. I'm talking about the real grain. It brings it down where that it becomes like a cancer in the church. First thing you know, a, a party spirit moves in, pulling away from each other drawn away from the body of Christ. You know what that is? That's a fungi. You see it get up on a person there, takes him out of the house of God, takes him away from the fellowship of the saints. Does the same thing with the church. It takes and pulls them away from the word of God. And first thing you know, the, the, the church is full of heresy. Now, heresy, heresy is something is, is basically, you know, originally it was not a bad word. It was used in the Bible as a bad word, but originally in the Greek, it just meant having your own opinion about things. That's all it meant. A heresy meant, you know, just having your own opinion. It was your choice. Choose whatever you want to believe. So if you were heretic, you were just one that had your own opinion about a subject. But Paul would use it, and he said, this is a destructive element in the church that creates divisions through consciously formed opinions and ideas and disagreement with the orthodox teachings of the apostle. So you see, it was now, it was now beginning to have a, a, a connotation that was heresy. Paul would say their words do, do work like a canker. In other words, they are a absolute fungi in the church because they are pulling away from the original apostolic doctrine and they have their own ideas. Amen. Now, but you see, you can have your own idea about politics. You can have your own ideas about how to make your money or spend your money or whatever. That's all, that's all right. But when it comes to God's truth, it is not something you can just have your own idea about it. Amen. Well, I don't think. That's where you get a heretic right there is I don't think. What did the Bible say? Amen. If the Bible said that we are to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you say, well, I have a different opinion, let me tell you, that's heresy. If the Bible tells us, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord, amen, and you say there's three of them, let me tell you, that's your idea, but it's heresy. And that's what came in the church and rendered it powerless. And when you take the message and you take your little quotes and you stack them up one way or the other, you become a heretic. 
because it's against the original teachings of the Word of God. You have no right to your own opinion. Oh, but I can see Americans. We'll have our own opinion. We have freedom here. But you see, this is not God's freedom. As a, as a child of God, you have no right to your own opinion. God's word is not to be trivialized. A heretic is anyone that believes what he wishes to believe instead of accepting the truth of God's word. But you see, you say, Brother Tim, in this harvest season, and you're saying that it's got a disease, it's got fungus, and, and, and I just say, even we have not been exempt. I say this with sadness in my heart. We're, we're, don't think at all we're exempt. You think with a message from God that we wouldn't have party spirits and we, we wouldn't have separations. And, but let me tell you, the fungi and the spirit of denomination and personality cults want to work right within the truth. Let's get it clear. Let's get it sound and clear. You do not have to belong to this church to make it in the rapture. You, you know, I do not have to be your pastor for you to go in to be in the bride. You must belong to Christ. That's who you must belong to. Everybody does not need to move to Louisiana to go in the rapture. You need to move into Christ and have revival right there in your own church. That's what you need. Amen. We need the Spirit of God moving around the world. There's a bride around the world. Amen. This is not about personality of man. Amen. It's not following a certain man. It's getting in love with Jesus Christ. It's being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's walking in the love of God. But I hear God's prophet say, I know we got a lot of fungus on the ear, but it's still an ear just the same. We got a lot of ins and outs and little isms, but God will shave that out some of these days and he'll have a perfect ear of corn. Did you hear what we said? One of these days, the whole same Holy Spirit that fell on, the, on, on Pentecost is bringing it all about. There's my hope today. Amen. When I see the, the, the palmer worm and the canker worm and the caterpillar and these parasites that have eaten down the bride tree, I hear a word that says, I will restore, saith the Lord. Amen. And I can't help how much fungi that we see and how much parasites. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. God will have a perfect ear of corn. There will be a harvest in this end time. And the same Holy Spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost is bringing it about. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is here to bring it about. The Holy Spirit is here, Sarah, to turn your heart to believing again. To get rid of the parasites of unbelief. And that fungi that's hold on to the promise. Because God will have a church without spot, without a wrinkle, without a blemish, or any such thing. Amen. 
Now, let me just say, let me bring this down. You may be full wheat of God. Your experience might be a full wheat experience. But if you let a little formalism of fungi get on you and start covering over, your life will become poisoned. Let me say it this way. Your marriage may be a full wheat marriage, full grain, word marriage. But if you let a little fungi get in it of selfishness and pride and unbelief, and it's all about me, no care for anybody else, that fungi will poison your bread. You may say, I had a genuine experience. But if you don't keep it fresh and up to date, and you there are letting some little something, little some seed of bitterness get on the inside against this one or that one or this, that bitterness will poison the real wheat seed. But God's going to harvest a church. And he's going to cut the fungi off. And I would begin today, right now, saying, Lord, cleanse me from every bit of the unbelief, the bitterness, the selfishness, the pride, everything else, so that I can come to full harvest in my life. Let's bow our heads together. As you think on these things this morning, the Holy Spirit has spoke to you anywhere in this meeting. If he spoke to you anywhere in this meeting, say, there, I realize I've let a little something. Maybe you just picked up a little something along the journey. Some troubling spirit. Some enemy that has come in. A little fungi. It's taken the joy of your salvation away. It's taken the love that you ought to have. Taken away your peace and you've got fear and unbelief in your life. Why don't you ask God today? Lord, cleanse me. Search me, oh God. Cleanse me in this moment. Lord, purge me. I, I come, Lord, down and I believe I'm wheat. I believe I'm grain. I believe I've had a grain experience. But I've let something along the journey. I've let something separate from me from that real love of God, that real sweetness of the Holy Spirit. And I want God today just to discern my life, cut away the bitterness. Come on, we can't keep on perpetuating church ages. We're at the end. Maybe you've never been free to move in the Spirit of God. And you've never been able to let go and let God have His way. You, you've, never, you've never had the joy of, of really 
expressing heartfelt religion. You want to say, God, today, cut the dross out of my life, the fungi, the parasites, something come along and ate off my joy. Brother Tim, I started out this way, and I was so full of joy. I had my first love, and and I've lost it. I've kind of slipped back in my walk, and I need a renewing of the Holy Ghost in my life. I've let some ergot something there it's broke me ruined me there are people that sit under complexes all their life just complexes oh nothing good ever happened to me and everybody's against me and everything's wrong and don't you realize that's a parasite trying to wreck your joy why, don't you, why do you have to be that way you don't let the Holy Spirit today just do a surgery in your life and take that off. Some of you are backslid right here this morning, this service. You realize you're backslid, you're away from God, and you let something there come. I want to say you're really weak. I, I even want to say your experiences in the past were real and genuine. Maybe it brought forth a blade. Maybe it brought forth the pollen. Maybe it brought forth shuck. Or maybe you've really come into the full ear of corn. And you walk with God. But you let something come along that took away your joy, took away your peace, took away your love, took away that fervency, that passion. That passion is no longer in your life. No drive to serve God. No passion to know His Word. No cry for the reaching out in the Spirit. And you find yourself feeding on all other kinds of things. And you just today want to say, Lord, today, we're going to be coming to your table here just a little bit. We'll take the Lord's Supper, communion, foot washing. We'll obey the Lord and follow Him in all His truths. But Lord, as I come, I want to come accepted, Lord. I want to come into Your presence. I don't want to feel any rejection. I want to see You in reality. Would there be somebody raise their hand to God to say, and that's me, Brother Tim, I... I I see there's a little coldness there. I'm just not what I ought to be. And I I just need a real refreshing of the Holy Ghost in my life. God sees you. He sees your hand. You're reaching out to Him. You'll never make a move toward God that God don't make a move towards you. He said, draw nigh to God and I'll draw nigh to you. That's His word. That's His promise. And Lord, search my life today. Cleanse me. Father, take these words today. Father, we didn't mean in one way to be condemning. We're not saying someone's not wheat. We're just identifying the fungi and the things that's in the life. We're just saying that wheat can have fungi on it. 
And it can't be raptured in that condition. It's got to be cleansed and purged. It's a poison. Lord, there are people that's let poison, some little bitterness, some, some little enmity, some strife, some little odd against another, some spirit of unforgiveness. I pray today, Lord, they'll just let it go. In your presence, there'll be the fullness of joy. It's in Jesus' name. Touch them, Father. Search me, oh God. And know my heart today.
the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. How many can say praise you, Lord? I glorify your name. I lift your name. Hallelujah. And Holy Spirit reign down.
every praise is to our God.
Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Ever praise to our God. He's done great things. Thank you, Lord. What grace, what mercy the Lord has for us. Amen. Those that are going to be baptized, I'd like you to come down at this time. We'd like to have prayer with you before we go to the Baptist, baptistry pools. If you're going to be baptized today, taking on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then uh, why don't you make your way down here to the front? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. And we're going to have prayer with you in just a moment. But I just want to read the scripture. Paul would say, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And God gives great grace. But that grace is not that we can continue in sin. For he says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. And then he says, no, ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth or from now on, we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall live also with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon yourself also to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey the lust in the lust of your flesh. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So the Bible is clear that grace, when it's given, it is not the favor of God so we can continue in sin, but it is the grace of God that we can die to sin. Baptism represents that someone has died. We take them to a watery grave, and there we, we immerse them in water. It represents the death of the old man, the man of sin. And it represents that as you go down in this watery grave that you're also going to raise again in the likeness of his resurrection. And that means that you will never have to die again. 
that sin is dead as midnight and you're raised a new creature in Christ. So this is what he said, that then we no longer will yield our hands or feet or mouth or eyes or bodies, um, the members of our bodies as instruments of unrighteousness, but we'll yield them to God. A mouth that once ridiculed or made fun of or said bad words now becomes an instrument, a member to praise God. Hands that maybe once pulled a cigarette to your mouth or did evil deeds now are yielded to God to do his work. Feet in the Bible, he would say your feet are goes swiftly to shed blood. No longer will you go after doing wrong. But now your members are members of righteousness. The Bible would represent this in the cleansing of the earth. In the days of Noah, God baptized it with water. The blood of Jesus was shed upon it there at Calvary. And then in the great new earth to come, God will come and dwell on it. What he does to the earth, he does to your earth. You're baptized in water. His blood comes upon you to cleanse you from all sin. Then the fire of God will come, cleanse everything. You'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. God will reign on the inside of you. This is his plan of redemption. The Bible would speak of Noah. Peter would say of him, he said, Noah was a like figure of baptism. And he said, that baptism doth now save us. In other words, it's a part of the salvation plan. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So Noah was showed to earth as being baptized in water. And he said, Noah as a like figure or as a type, it it is it now does save us not in the putting away of the filth of our flesh so it's not the outward cleansing but it's the answer of a good conscience toward god on the day of pentecost something wonderful happened you see the holy spirit could come and anoint men and thus it would say they were filled with the spirit but it was so totally different from what happened on the day of pentecost Because on the day of Pentecost, the one who had given his life ascended into glory and sent back his spirit to come and dwell in man. Never before had man since the fall been tabernacled by God. He would be anointed by the spirit of God. The spirit would come and go. This would change with Jesus. When Jesus came... He said, the one you see the Holy Spirit come and rest upon and remain, that is the one I have chosen. When the Holy Spirit comes, it's not like the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, David would get anointed to sing the songs of Zion, then moved by the Spirit to fight great battles, and then fall into temptation with Bathsheba. And he would cry and say, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Because he knew if that anointing left, satanic spirits would come. 
But you see, it would come and it would go. It would come upon the prophets. It would leave them. It would come upon them. It would leave. But with Jesus, it came and remained. And there on the day of Pentecost, when it come, God came to come and live in people. Because now we had more than a blood offering of animals. Because the blood of bulls and goats could never take away your sins. But that day when Jesus died, he died as a man. But he shed the blood of God. From that blood cell was released the Spirit of God. It would be sent back on the day of Pentecost to come and dwell in man. In the upper room, it was a new phenomenon. It had never happened before that men would be actually tabernacled with God. In the Old Testament, God would take his finger and he would write with fire upon the stony stones there and write his commandments. But there... In the upper room, what God did was different. He came and he wrote it in the hearts of man. Today, the law of God will not be external. It is internal. You will walk by the spirit of life. It will not be you trying it. It will be his own nature in you that makes sin dead as midnight. You will go down burying a dead person, but you will rise In the spirit of life. A new creation. A new creature. One that overcomes. One that has the power over the world. Over sin. Over temptation. This is the gospel. This is what we preach. When they saw them so under the influence. Of this in the upper room. They cried out said. What must we do. To be saved. And Peter told them, here's the formula. Here's the prescription. Here's the cure for sin. Repent. That means to turn from your sins. You know, it won't do any good to put you down in a watery grave. If we're burying somebody still alive, you'll crawl your way out and go right back to life of sin again. But if you have died to sin, if you've repented of your sins, God promises As we're baptized in water, he will fill you with the Holy Ghost. It won't be you anymore trying. Trying will be over. You will, like, you don't have to try to be a human. You are human. That's what you are. No trying to have to be that. That's who you are. You will not have to try to be a daughter of God or a son of God. That's who you'll be. You'll take on his name, his identity. You'll be united to him as a bride to a bridegroom and as a son and daughter to a father. So today, as we go forth in his name to baptize you, I want you just to step over this way and you brothers come. Amen. Some of you deacon brothers come with me too, please. We're going to pray for these. And we're just going to ask God to come upon their lives today. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. That is, we baptize them with water. Now, you know, that's what I can do. I can baptize you with water. But he that cometh after me will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. That's his promise to you today. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus. Your name is the name above all names. 
every demon spirit is subject to the name of Jesus. The power of the Most High will come upon these, Lord, as we baptize them in water if they truly repented of their sins. May, Lord, today they repent. Say, I go and I turn from and I come to the Lord with all my heart to serve him. Lord, in the name of Jesus, this is more than turning a new leaf and making a promise. This is not making a vow and trying to be good. This is a transformation and becoming a new creature in Christ Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask it for your glory. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Now y'all go with Brother Darrell there and he'll show you where to go to be baptized. Right there with Brother Darrell.
Aren't you glad to be one of them today, to be 
to be in the body of Jesus Christ. We have been baptized in his body, not by water, but by the Spirit of God. Amen. And so, you know, baptism of water will baptize us into fellowship of the church, the body of Christ, taking on the name of Jesus. The baptism of the Holy Ghost baptizes you into Christ. Amen. And here we are to serve the Lord Jesus. And Jen has given her heart to the Lord and made a surrenderance to God and, and turned from, uh, from the, the wickedness of the world and has asked the Lord to come into her heart. And God's done some wonderful things for her already, and the change has already began. And what we're going to do today is we're going to bury the past life. Amen. When you remember when the devil comes, you can say, I buried that person I, he no longer lives in here. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And I'm a child of the most high God. And so the devil has no part in my life from this day on. I belong to Jesus. Amen. So today, um, Jen, the Lord Jesus sent me to the world to preach the gospel. And he, um, he uh, gave me of his Holy Spirit that I might minister the word of God. And he commissioned me as his disciple, to go into the world and to preach the gospel, to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In obedience to that divine command, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't God good to give us so many blessings? Amen. He's in the saving business. He's a God that changes lives. Transformation power happens. Amen. Come right on up this way, buddy. Amen. God bless you. Man, we have three young men that have wants to take on the name of the Lord Jesus today in water baptism and obey the Lord. Amen. Amen. Your name was... Holden, Holden, have you asked the Lord Jesus to come into your life? You've invited him into your heart? Yes, sir. Amen. You've confessed your sins and, and asked the Lord to forgive you of your past. You want to walk in the newness of life? Yes, Amen. Then on the confession of your faith, as the Lord Jesus sent me into the world to preach the gospel and to baptize those who would believe in the in following his commandments, he commanded the disciples to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So in obedience to that divine command, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. God knows how to touch lives and hearts. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You're Ben? Amen. The Lord Jesus. Have you asked him to come into your heart? Yes, sir. You've repented of your sins and invited him to come as personal Savior into your life and ask him to take away every sin desire. Yes, then on the confession of your faith, 
as you have come to take on the name of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus sent me to preach the gospel and to baptize those that believe in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost in obedience to that divine holy command. I baptize you, my beloved brother, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Your name was Brennan. Brennan. Amen. The Lord Jesus, Brennan, wants to fill you with his spirit and wants to make a real son out of you. The only life worth living is a life given to Christ. Have you repented of your sins? Have you invited him into your heart? Then on confession of your faith, as the Lord Jesus sent me into the world to preach the gospel and to baptize those who believe in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, in obedience to that divine command, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Well, the Lord has brought me through all of my trials when I fail. 